You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Today, we are going to talk about... You're probably going to get sick of us today because we're here to basically talk about event safety. That's the whole point of this episode Yes, is to talk about like big outdoor events or concerts, um, small fairs, rodeos, stuff like that. And we're going to really hone in on the state fair. Um, because there's a lot of safety issues when you go to stuff like this. And it's coming up. It's coming up. This episode will drop like two days before the Oklahoma State Fair takes place. So we hope you listen to it. We hope you heed our warnings. Yes. Uh, and then right after the Oklahoma State Fair in Oklahoma City is over, the one in Tulsa here will begin. Both of them are two weeks long. You're... You or your kids are probably going to be wanting to go and run around on their own with their friends. So today we're going to talk about the state their murders and what can happen even if you're in pairs, even if you're with a buddy, things can still go wrong. So there's a lot to be aware of. So we're going to kind of talk about that as we go through some of these Oklahoma State Fair cases. So the first one that we're going to just jump into is a case from 1981. It is with two young girls, one named Cinda Pallett from South Oklahoma City and her friend Charlotte Kinsey. On the afternoon of September 26th, 1981, Cinda Pallett and Charlotte Kinsey attended the Oklahoma State Fair. So this was the first time that the pair had gone out without their parents. And, you know, they believed that they were old enough to attend this by themselves. This was their first outing alone. So I want to let our listeners know a little bit about... This was a time with no social media. Yes. So there, whatever you learned was in your newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was news. There was the news stations. But it, it wasn't like it is now where you can just look at your phone and know what's going on. There was no cell phones. So this was a time that was considered you play outside all day. Your parents call you at the end of the day to come in. Yeah. There, there wasn't a lot of worry well because a lot of people really i I remember this from my childhood use the buddy system right and while that is a good thing to follow sometimes with these younger kids neither one of them are prepared well the thing is if you can have two of you but if neither one of you are paying attention it's not gonna matter right unfortunately well and i do want to say with your mention of social media so There is a big difference in this case and, you know, as in something happening like this today. Today, we obviously have a bunch of cameras. They they do have, I know, at least the Tulsa one has cameras set up now. They do, in the Oklahoma City one too. But while that might be a deterrent, that doesn't mean that things are going to stop happening. It just means that 
you might see the guy who took your kids, it doesn't mean that you will immediately get them back. I mean, they're, they're still gone. You know what I mean? So while it might be a deterrent, a lot of people might not care about that because they think they can get away quick enough. And um, along with the social media thing, I'm not even sure, like, in a way, I feel like it's even more dangerous today with the social media stuff because when these kids go off to these things by themselves, they might put where they're going and put pictures up on social media of them there and anyone who is following them or stalking them or watching what they're doing knows exactly where they are and now they know that they're without supervision you know so it could be more dangerous today um, because of how we post on social media so I would say it is probably safer for your children to not post while they're out they probably shouldn't post where they're going and what they're doing or tag their location anywhere if they have pictures they want to share they need to do that after they're done and back home back home safe you just never know and you 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 can't be too safe you just can't it's just impossible so it's better to not do it you want to think that it's fun and you go somewhere like that you have a great time you come home and most people do and that usually is the case but there's a lot of people well, that go to these fairs. There is. And with that being said, even just last year, now it wasn't in Oklahoma. I forget which state it was in. But just last year, there was an attempted abduction of an eight-year-old boy that was literally caught on camera. Now, this boy was prepared enough to start literally kicking and screaming and hollering and drawing attention which to is himself. The best thing you can yes. do. Yes. And the guy just dropped him and took off. He didn't give a crap that there was a camera uh, set up, literally, that was only like 20 feet away. Cameras, there's a misconception, I think, with cameras. People think, oh, there's a camera, it's going to be fine. There's a camera, it's going to stop them in their tracks. That's not how it works. You're getting brazen people that they want to do the act. So Mm -hmm. the act's already done by the time you see them. Exactly. So, you know, it it might deter some people, but it's not going to deter everyone. It's not going to deter everyone, right. So just be aware when you send your kids to this stuff, or even if you yourself are, even if you're not a young woman, if you're a woman and you're going to these things by yourself, don't. (laughs) I wouldn't go by myself if I were you. And I can tell you that I was there Mm -hmm. last year, and when I I said I wasn't by myself, but when I was sitting on a bench by myself waiting on someone to come back with food... Mm I was approached by a worker. See these that works there, and he was he was sweeping around me, you know, sweeping like the concrete. I was on a bench. He was yeah. sweeping around me, and he started proceeding to talk to me. And I was nice, but I had just spilt like all this cheese from, <laughs> you know, leave it to me from a pretzel all over my clothes. And so I was trying to. I had all these napkins. I was trying to wipe myself up, and and he he literally said to me, and I kid you not. He swept around me, said, oh, I hate that you did that, swept away, and then he came back about two minutes later and said, well, if you just take your shirt <gasps> off, yes. He did not. Yes. If you just take your shirt off, your your stain will be gone. What? And I, I just kind of looked at him, and I was like. He did not. I was like, uh. What, do you ex- what did he expect you to do with your shirt? I don't know. <laughs> and I, I And I thought, 
Okay. <laughs> and I'm not young. So I'm like, what? Could you imagine? Really? I mean, like, I'm not a... I'm going to need you to not do that, I'm sir. not a 20-year-old, you know, something anymore. So, or a teenager. So I was like, if he's saying that to me, what is he saying to these... Exactly. You know, and exactly. so I just said to him, well, I have somebody that's going to be here in like two seconds. Well... And that's another thing. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the worker thing because a lot of these workers are transient. Mm -hmm. A lot of them come and go with the fair. Um, Some of them usually, I mean, they just show up when these Mm -hmm. fairs show up or they travel with the fair or whatever. They're here and gone in two weeks. And that's not to say that everyone that works for the fair is bad. I'm not saying that. There are a lot of good people that put in good hard work. We do just need to be aware. But... You need to be aware of anyone, and that includes the workers. Because I would have never thought that this guy would That's have said, if you creepy. just take off your shirt, it'll solve the problem. You know, I, I and he <laughs> literally said that to me, and I was just so like... So creepy. I was just thinking, you do know I'm old, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's very weird. Oh, shirt. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Blah. But it weird. happened. So you see, it happened to me. Yeah. And, you know... That was only for like two, I mean, literally I was sitting by myself less than five minutes. It definitely happened to you or your child or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I, I would never go actually this year. Um, I have asked you to go with me, uh, because I would rather have a larger group. Like Mm -hmm. it even makes me nervous when it's just me and my husband, because we have one kid, it's just me and my husband. So when he's doing something like getting us a snack or whatever, it's just me and my kid. Well, you see, that was just me for just a second when someone was getting me more for just a second. So like I would make it a big family outing or if your kids are going, have them go with a very large group of like four, five, six kids at once, something like that to just keep them a little safer. Um, but anyway, okay, so so September 26, 1981, Cinda and Charlotte are going to attend the Oklahoma State Fair for the first time without any supervision on their own. So at 5 p.m., Charlotte calls home to tell her mother that she and Cinda had been offered these jobs. And how old were these girls at the time? So they were both 13 years old. Two 13-year-olds on their own at the state fair. Yeah. Which, it is a lot different. Because I can't remember going to the fair, you know, by myself with my friends. But our fair in our little town of Ada was like nothing. It was like you could, from one side of the other, you could see the parking lot where you parked at. You could see everything. Not saying it's not any less dangerous. It probably was. But these state fairs are huge. Yes, and I wasn't even allowed to walk around with my with a girlfriend and another guy friend and another guy friend until I was 15. Yeah. And that was like two guys and another girl. Yeah. So at 5 p.m., Charlotte called home to tell her mom that she and Cinda had been offered jobs helping a carnival worker unload stuffed animals from a truck. Okay. Before I proceed, I do want to mention it has never been verified that this was an actual carnival worker. I just want to throw that out there. Um, And this is another kind of... um, ruse I guess you could say to be aware of is that while the carnival workers might be totally fine and it might be somebody pretending to be a carnival worker just to try to get your kids in their vehicle That's true. Um, which it, I feel like it was with this in this instance so just wanted to throw that out 
Um, so Paula, Charlotte's mother, agreed but told her that she needed to call and check in at 9 p.m. Norma asked Cinda to do the same thing. Her mother asked her to do the same thing. Okay, call at 9. I'll come pick you up. Uh, the girls were planning this sleepover. They needed to know where they needed to be picked up at. Who's picking who up? Where are you going? Where are you, where are you staying the night? Call at 9 o'clock when you guys figure it out and tell us what you're doing. Okay, so then... The girls were actually seen at the fairgrounds at 5.30, right? Dropped them off at 5. 5.30 rolls around. They're seen there that evening. This missing persons report comes out. Uniformed and other undercover officers scour the fairgrounds because they never called and check in. So, of course, they're like, okay, well, they were supposed to call at 9. You need to go. Everyone needs to go and check the fairgrounds. So they have... Um, a missing persons report is filed. Uniformed and undercover officers scour the fairgrounds. They're looking for these girls. Volunteers went booth to booth, hanging up flyers. Um, Charlotte's family actually set up a 24-hour post at the fair, thinking that maybe someone would come by and, and had seen them, knew where they were, stuff like that. The police department formed a task force for this case specifically. This was only the second time at, at, at the time that this happened. This was only the second time that any sort of organized effort like this was put into place. So the first was after the slaying of those six individuals at a restaurant in 1978, which was the Sirloin Stockade murders. Off of which, 240. Yeah, which uh, we talked about on a previous season. Its numbers were cut as leads began to dry up. The investigation started to kind of go cold. There were some witness reports that they had were able to kind of put together and kind of get a description of a potential suspect. And so they kind of came up with this, a male between the ages of 35 and 50, weighing approximately 200 to 250 pounds and standing at 6'1 to 6'3. Dark hair with gray streaks, a mustache and full beard, and muscular arms. He was apparently wearing silver wire-rimmed glasses a brown striped or plaid cowboy shirt, cowboy boots, a flimsy straw cowboy hat, a digital watch on his left wrist, a yellow badge, and a leather belt with the name Joseph tooled into it. It seems like that's pretty descriptive. I know. <laughs> for like all of the witnesses. This and this is a compiled, obviously a compiled but still. statement. But yeah, that's it's actually pretty descriptive. There were also people that potentially saw a vehicle that he was driving and even got not the license plate number, but the license plate um state on it so there were people that said he drove a tan two-door 1980 or 81 pontiac grand prix with south dakota license plates which this was 1981 so this yeah. would have been a new car yeah it would have been like almost brand new yeah like brand spanking new because this was yeah this was 1981 so they also described it as having half vinyl roof and numerous papers scattered across the dashboard. Which I find strange if it's a newer car. It is kind of weird. So apparently, and this is 
this is why there are so many witness statements because throughout the night before coming across these two girls, apparently this man had approached numerous children about, quote, helping him and offering jobs, you know, the fair jobs or whatever, and was offering to pay five or ten dollars an hour, which back in 1981 was actually kind of a lot of money. Ten dollars an hour yeah. was a lot of money. Ten dollars an hour is a lot of money. I mean, ten dollars an hour is a lot now. <laughs> So his description and the description of the vehicle was put on these missing person flyers in hopes of generating more leads, sent to neighborhoods, um, sent to neighboring law enforcement agencies, and such. Okay, so two teenage boys eventually come forward to discuss their interactions with this same man. They said that he had actually driven them and the girls, these specific girls, uh, to a truck stop off of I-40 because they were also helping, going to help unload this, whatever, this truck, whatever. Well, and I-35 and I-40 intersect right where the state fair is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I was about to say it, that's, it's pretty close. It's intersected right there. So. Um, so apparently he told them, Hey, the truck is up here. I've got to go get it. And so when the truck wasn't there, because they just took his car, his brand new car up there and the truck wasn't there. The boys, um, he asked the boys to wait there at the truck stop while he drove the girls to check the quote, check the next stop for the truck. And so the boys stayed there and apparently he drove off with these girls Um, He actually gave them money to stay there and wait. He gave them $10 before driving away with Charlotte and Cinda. This story is, like, weird to me because, like, why would he pick up four kids at the same time? Well, okay. So I thought about that, too. If you pick up multiple kids at once, now, number one. You're going to see more legit and they might go with you. Well, yeah. Um, To me, it's like you would be able to to determine out of that group which kids you can control better if you're not working alone let's say you're working with a partner or something that's if you're dropping them off for that partner you know what i mean like yeah maybe, that's kind of more of what i'm thinking yeah that's just four at the same time i'm like mm, just i mean one of you you never know i mean he he could have and here's another thing he could have simply been the person that was supposed to abduct and and simply drop off for someone else and saw two girls to his liking but the other guy wanted boys and so he dropped them off where he was supposed to but then the boys got freaked out you know yeah i don't know and they were able to leave before this other guy got there or it was just a, a matter of deciding on the boys or on the girls rather than the boys and just leaving them i mean who knows who knows what it is but it, it should be noted that many news outlets have mistakenly reported that these boys were Charlotte and Cinda's boyfriends. They were not. They were actually had, okay, so they had actually met them on the same day. And just started walking around and just them, Yeah, just started walking around. Well, I don't even know, honestly, if they had met them at the same time. Like, there's a good chance. I, I know that these girls did not know them. So there's a good chance that the boys were already at the car or the girls were already at the car or something. 
But or, they could have met and walked around. I know when, when, when I was younger, we'd meet yeah. boys somewhere, you know, yeah. and you just walk around with them. Yeah, and and that could be possible too. But but they met that day. They were not boyfriends. They didn't know these boys like long term or anything like that. So this man's yellow badge, quote unquote, yellow badge was apparently located soon after and it bore the name and photograph of a guy named Donald Michael Corey. So that has nothing to do with Joseph his No, no. Um I don't I makes me think that was stolen. Well yeah. It's a different name, Donald Michael Corey, a thirty six year old carnival drifter who resembled the man in the witness sketches. Um, So he was eventually arrested in Alabama, but later had the charges against him dropped after it was determined that he actually had no relation to the case, to the case. Okay. So the investigators were able to rule out all employees with the Oklahoma State Fair as suspects, stating they felt the abductor had posed as a carnival worker in order to gain the girl's trust and did not actually work there. So this did kind of go cold almost immediately after after this guy. They were just like, we don't know. Uh, and so a couple months into the investigation, the Oklahoma City Police Department put up a reward um, for Cinda and Charlotte's return. It was $5,000 initially. Uh, $1,000 was then added by the families. And Crime Stoppers offered an additional $2,500. So pretty pretty decent reward for 1981 all of this was on top of funds raised by highland west middle school where the girls actually went to school yeah and i couldn't find how much the middle school um had raised or raised at all for it but i i do know that they raised a good portion highland west is in more I believe you. <laughs> I, I went to Highland East. Oh, you did? Yeah, middle school. Oh. And that was our rival, Highland West. Rainy. Uh-oh. Well, get out of here, Highland West. I know. That's why as soon as I saw that, I was like, it's in Moore. So they were, they lived in Moore. Uh, okay, so then the police did, because of the reward offered, the police did receive numerous potential sightings. Some believed they'd seen the girls in California. Some in Maryland. Um, while one sighting was called in from Germany. Oh. People really wanted that reward money. So Germany? See, so see, that's the that's the downside of reward money is that you get all these false leads. Yeah. That, but people trying to take advantage of making yeah. a quick buck, which oh, is yeah. awful. I know. And it's like, okay, we said for the return of the girls. We didn't yes. say, uh, send us on a wild goose chase. Anyway, there was also a woman from New Jersey who claimed that she'd seen the two amongst a group of five Hispanic men in work uniforms at the Fun Town Pier near a residence in Seaside Park. Of course, that turned out to be nothing. <laughs> like, it wasn't, had nothing to do with anything. It's really far from Oklahoma. It's, yes. So, a lot of people because it had been two months by by then when they set up this reward a lot of people just kind of went oh they could be anywhere which i mean they could they could be anywhere but you would think if they were going to be anywhere he would have taken them back to alabama i think where his car was registered yeah and well it wasn't that guy i don't know i don't i don't know exactly how they cleared that guy like i didn't see anything on 
whether he had an alibi or somebody with but him or like I just probably. don't know how they cleared him but I do know that they did eventually just like totally clear him which is a it. good yeah thing to know so the girl's parents also received countless leads from various organizations all of which they passed on to the police and there was a man identified as quote James Miller and he had allegedly confessed to killing Cinda while another man named quote Sig Ragland claimed that claimed to have seen the girl's bones and burned clothing. Charlotte's older sister Lisa said her former boyfriend had received a phone call from Charlotte like while she was gone during which she said Curtis help I can't get a hold of Lisa but that was apparently never verified. Like, we're talking house phones. You know what I mean? Like, the, yes. there were no cell phones. so And there was no caller ID. No. And so, really back then, like, yes, you could track certain numbers and, and stuff. But it was not as, like, prominent as you it is now. You just answered the phone and who you got yeah. was who you got. And I mean, like, like the police. Like, well, they yes. could go back and see who all called that number. Well, it depends. It worked differently back then. Yeah, it did, and a lot of times the, um, unless you were calling, um, like a collect call or a long distance call, they usually didn't keep track of that stuff, because it's like, okay, well, you're paying me a month, you use the phone unless you do A or B, we don't care where it's coming from. Because long distance calls back then, it was a lot, it was a lot of money, it was, and FYI, they kept track of your, your minutes, oh, Yeah. yeah, and that is why, calls like that were really the only ones that were tracked because it was it was something local like they just they didn't really keep track of stuff they didn't at the time really have a need to keep track of things no because they weren't they didn't you didn't pay for you didn't have to pay for minutes like you did no long distance so then let's get into this other guy there was a guy named royal russell long he was a part-time carnival worker and a full-time long-haul truck driver. I am literally looking at... You remember that big, long description that I gave you earlier? Uh, I, I do actually have a, a photo of that. I'm looking at it. And then next to a photo of Royal Russell Long, it's like identical. It is. <laughs> it's, and I'm not even making it up. Like, they, they have no. the, the hat on. There's like a feather in the hat. It's almost uncanny. It's, it is very uncanny. Same glasses. Same shirt. Same, like, everything. He has been long considered the prime suspect in this case. So, not only did he closely resemble the sketch, but he lived in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and had delivered equipment to drilling rigs across the state. So, he was always, he was long-haul trucking across the state. So, Tuttle, and I want to tell so they know how close that is to... I don't even know how close, I don't know where Tuttle is. Um, so, Tuttle is southwest, we're going to use southwest again. Ooh, use southwest I love southwest. I apparently don't know which way is east and west. <laughs> <laughs> there, um, so Tuttle is southwest of Moore. Like, how far? 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's probably a good 45 minutes to the state so fair. So if he, he lived in Tuttle, he would be going through Oklahoma City a lot if he's driving. Oh, you, yeah. you would have to. I mean, yeah. you would have to to get anywhere because Tuttle's kind of, in, it's, kind, it's, it's rural. Well, so here's the deal. He actually arrived in Oklahoma City 
the day before Cinda and Charlotte disappeared to deliver a flatbed trailer to a local business and later admitted to visiting the fair the following day. So he later admitted that he was actually at the fair on the day that the girls disappeared. So despite witnesses identifying him as the man offering children jobs at the fair, Long had a history of sexual violence towards young women. So he was accused of molesting his own daughter. And she eventually came forward to say uh, she'd witnessed him attempting to lure other young girls to his vehicle with puppies and toys. Oh, wow. So this definitely seems like something he would do. Uh, And in, I should say, the manner in which he would do it. She also claimed that he had told her that no female, this is so gross, that no female over the age of 13 would ever sexually satisfy him. Told his own daughter that. And he looks a little older. Yeah, so the photo that we're looking at, I would say he's probably around 50. That's what I would say. Yeah. And that's if if that photo is... Is, was, or is up to date to when, like, if this photo was taken in 1981, when this happened. He's probably in his 50s somewhere, I would assume. He would have been, like, around his 50s, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's just disgusting. So, according to an Oklahoma City prosecutor, Long was a person of interest during the early stages of the investigation, but was removed after three or four days. I don't know why. I don't know why. He never said why. I didn't. I could not find why. Um, It would actually take another three years for him to reappear on law enforcement's radar. The police were able to locate a Pontiac Grand Prix that he had rented in El Paso, Texas. So that's pretty telling right there because that's the same car. I'm just saying. And a witness came forward to say that they had actually seen the girls... Well, girls matching that dis- the description of the girls missing with a man matching the description of him in a similar vehicle on the day that the girls disappeared. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, this vehicle that they found was thoroughly examined. They found 13 scalp hairs in the trunk. Ugh. And they actually did come back to a match to Cinda. Mm-hmm. There were also animal hairs found in there. Some were cat hair, some were dog hairs. That could explain um, puppies. Yeah. That, yes. So that also tells me that maybe his daughter wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that she was lying at no, all. but, but maybe she But that kind of verifies. Really on to some, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So there was also blonde hair um, found in, found stuck to the corner of the mat in the car. Now, I do want to mention that, so while they didn't yet have access to D- the DNA technology like we do today, an expert was able to determine that either one large body or two smaller bodies were outlined in blood stains in the car. Mm. However, at the time, he wasn't able to definitively say that it was human blood. This was 1981. So, this lock of blonde hair that they found, um, there was also blonde hair found during a search of Long's trailer home back in Wyoming. 
Oh, so he lived in Wyoming, but he rented a car from El Paso. But wasn't he from Alabama? He was from, no, he was from Tuttle. Oh, Tuttle. Sorry. He worked in Tuttle. Um, He had a trailer home in Wyoming. So while it might have belonged to Charlotte, this hair tests proved inconclusive and because the, the strands didn't have the roots it was just like it was almost like he cut a lock of the hair off yeah it's, it's weird so other places known to long were searched but that was all they found and the thing about it and this is this is this is the thing is why he was never officially you know whatever it's because it's just a it's just a hair it doesn't prove that you killed anyone. It just proves that she was in your vehicle, but that doesn't prove that you killed her. Sure. So, yes. um, he was charged with kidnapping though. And he was charged with the murder at first, um, of both Charlotte and Cinda. And this was in August of 1985. So it took them a couple years yeah. to get all this together. Um, and investigators determined that long had arrived in Oklahoma city the day before the girls vanished you know, to deliver this flatbed trailer. He admitted to being at the fair. He denied the involvement of their disappearances. Um, The boys and several other witnesses did identify him as the man who offered these Uh jobs, as well as approached other children that day. So we have some witnesses now. The boys, too. Yes. Yes. So he actually pled not guilty obviously um he was denied bond and while he was waiting in jail awaiting his preliminary hearing he spoke of an alleged conspiracy between authorities in oklahoma and in wyoming to try him for the abduction of the girls and the kidnapping of another girl named sharon bald eagle so he was like, he was basically saying that all of these authorities are coming up with these conspiracy theories, that they're saying that these two girls and then another girl, he kidnapped and, and murdered all of them, and it's just not true. And Trying all this to pin like, it on him. Yeah. So the hearing went underway that October of 85, along with hearing from one of the boys, whose name was Lance, I'm not going to say his last name, um, um, and then the judge also heard testimony from two teenage girls who claimed to also have been approached by Long. They said that he had offered them jobs, unloading toys, and they all got suspicious and just walked away. They didn't they didn't buy into it. Mandy just learned that she knew one of these boys who was approached by this guy. Yeah, well, my sister did. That's very interesting. All right, so then the defense argued that Charlotte and Cinda, the defense, as in his attorney argued that no 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 they were spotted these girls were spotted in miami florida so they're still alive he also argued that it was possible that they were working as prostitutes in burbank california filming a porn movie entitled little love slaves which i almost want to vomit and they're 13 and they're 13 with no clothing with nope. them, with no money. Nope, they just took off to go do porn in California, I guess. With no resources. No. That's just Yeah, it's not even feasible. It was ridiculous. So, I do want to... Okay, I'm going to put a pause on this trial real quick because I want to jump back to, bef- to another this other girl that I mentioned. Um, Sharon Bald Eagle. So, Long was involved... 
in this abduction of Sharon Sharon Bald Eagle, who was 12 years old at the time, and this would have been in September of 1984. So this would have been after the other two girls. So she and her friend, 15-year-old Sandy Brokenleg, had been hitchhiking to Idaho when Long picked them up in Casper, Wyoming. He'd brought them to his home in Wyoming, tied them up, and at gunpoint... And with coat hangers, he sexually assaulted them. Sandy actually escaped. She escaped from him, ran to a neighbor's house, and got help. And by the time that she had brought help back, Long and Sharon were already gone. He took her and took off. So Long was eventually arrested by the FBI in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when he was questioned, he said he'd driven Sharon to Cheyenne, Wyoming and put her on a, quote, light-colored bus or truck bound for Dallas, Texas. When questioned about kidnapping and assaulting her and Sandy, he claimed the girls had willingly engaged in sexual activity with him out of a need for money Like, as in, he paid them as prostitutes, and they lied about their ages. He didn't know they were 13. He didn't know they were 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Well, they were 12 and 15. He didn't know. He said, they needed money, so I paid them for sex. I didn't know that they were 12 and 15. So, in that case, Long took a plea deal in relation to that case, and he was sentenced to two life terms in prison for the kidnapping. Okay, so then back in the hearing for our Oklahoma girls. That ended with the judge throwing out much of the physical evidence. Like a lot of the physical evidence. As well as any information regarding his involvement in the case of Sharon Bald Eagle. And any testimony from Long's daughter. And there was another, there was an inmate who had served with him um, back in California that was also thrown out. I do not know why. I tried to look and find why he threw all that out, but he did. So this boy that your sister knew um, was barred from testifying what wasn't allowed to testify and say like point at him and say that was the guy that approached me um, because previous to the trial now this is the only one that I did find on why they threw it out because previous to the trial um, this kid had actually been hypnotized during the investigation and the defense felt that he was now was now partial to outside suggestions because they had hypnotized him and yeah. made, maybe they made lead him, him think their way right put exactly. subliminal messages in exactly there. so he was barred from testifying uh the judge also threw out the charges of kidnapping citing a lack of evidence that the girls had been like physically bound or confined since the bodies weren't found so you're gonna crawl in someone's trunk i guess i guess i'm sorry but i would not <laughs> crawl in anyone's trunk so. i guess so because that's basically what he's saying here because at this time now this is 1985 the girls were abducted in 81 their bodies never found up to this point and he's saying well we can't we can't charge him with that because we we just don't know if they were if they didn't get in his trunk willingly yeah, but- 
you know, this is the thing. We're not talking about like an open trunk, like a big SUV no, where no. you can sit this back there. This is a car. It's a Grand the, Prix. You're talking about a trunk that yeah. you just close the lid. Yeah. So I'm not going to go, oh, sure, I'll ride in your trunk. No, that's stupid. That's, that's asinine. I know. That they, those <laughs> girls did not do that. No. That's, it's ridiculous. So the prosecution obviously appealed the removal of the kidnapping charges. They won. Good. Because stupid, right? Um, But again, Long pled not guilty to murder and kidnapping. He was denied bond. While in jail, he was offered a plea deal um, with the ability to serve his sentence in Wyoming instead of Oklahoma if he revealed the location of the girls' bodies. But for some reason, he turned down the offer. Both sides came before the judge. In December of 1985, the defense asked to drop all charges against Long as there wasn't enough evidence to convict. And the judge obliged. The jury and the case were dismissed. You still have the hair in his trunk. In his trunk. So you know those girls were with him at some point. You've got the witnesses. All of these witnesses who literally point him out in a lineup and say, that's the guy. They should have at least kept him on kidnapping charges. I'm just saying, like, uh, yes. Because with the DNA, with the hair being in there, you can at least say, he kidnapped these girls. There's no way they would get into that trunk on their own. We don't know where they are. We can't get him for murder at this point, but... And the crazy thing is, is that a lot, I think a lot of people don't realize um, kidnapping charges, even back then, carried a life sentence. Oh, yeah, they did. And they still do. Mm-hmm. Kidnapping is serious business. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So they threw it all out. Threw it all out. Um, according to the family, Long frequently taunted them mm. throughout this court proceeding, saying he was the only one who knew the truth about Charlotte and Cinda's disappearances. That's awful. Like, horrific. Uh, In 1986, Long wrote a letter to the Daily, at the time it was called the Daily Oklahoman. It's now just the Oklahoman. Claiming he could solve the case and was willing to speak if they paid him money. Of course. Yeah, of course he wants money. That's why he turned down the other things. Yeah. He wanted money. Mm-hmm. Well, they denied that request. They're like, I'm not paying you for anything. And so he wrote a letter to the Norman Pallet. And he expressed, quote, expressed how bad he felt, but claimed he never saw Cinda the girls on the day that they disappeared. So it's like wishy-washy flip-flop. So someone else got in his car and drove. I guess. And put him in the trunk. Um, (laughs) And here's the thing about this guy. So I made a list because I was wondering about this guy. Uh, I actually went through and found a bunch of cases that he's connected to well when you said he um molested his child Mm -hmm. that is all i mean that was when i was lost you know what i mean that was it that was it for me so there's probably way more than this but this is what i came up with so these are the cases i'm going to tell you real quickly about that he's somehow related to so um, all of these, by the way, are abductions that happened in public locations, okay? So, number one, the disappearance of 19-year-old Carlene Brown and 19-year-old Christine Christy Ann Gross from Rawlings, Wyoming, on the 4th of July of 1974. So, we're going back, way back. 
she and Christy were attending this Little Britches Rodeo. Okay, there's the rodeo thing that I'm yes. telling you guys you need to watch out. When they vanished, the two young women were best friends, best best by all accounts. Um, Christie's remains were located in Sinclair, Wyoming in October of 1983. Her cause of death was two blows to the head. Carlene has never been found. Now, Brown was, and it seems like he has a type because, and you'll see this as we go along. Brown was between 5'5 and 5'3. She weighed about 100 to 120 pounds. Christy looked really similar to Carlene, and both girls wore their dark hair parted in the middle and had brown eyes. That was me to a ringer at that age. <laughs> yeah. So then, number two. The disappearance of Deborah Ray Mayer, also from Rawlings, Wyoming, uh, only, no, the same year, August 4th of 1974. My sister. So we're going from the 4th of July to August 4th, okay? She was visiting a family member in an apartment building there, and she was planning on walking to this local movie theater. It's unknown if she ever actually made it there or if she was abducted from the theater, but she vanished. She was also 5'4". She weighed about 115 pounds. She had brown hair and brown eyes. She has a small circular growth on her left ear and wore a full set of dentures when she disappeared. Her body was never recovered. Number three. The abduction and murder of 10-year-old Jaylene Dawn Banker on August 23rd, 1974. So this would have been um, a little less than a month after the last one I just mentioned. Yes, 10-year-old. She was visiting the Carbon County Rodeo. Here we go. The rodeo in Rollins when she got separated from a friend and her body was actually found in a field two miles southwest of Rollins on April 24th, 1975. Her cause of death was a blow to the head. So you see a theme here. A couple of them have died from blows to the head. A couple of them have not even been found. It's all in this one area where he's at. It's all boom, boom, boom. Like he's some sort of serial killer. Um, They all look very similar to each other. It's definitely something to think about. So number four, there was also speculation that Long may have also been involved in the murder of a girl named Carolyn Eaton, who was 17, who ran away from home. Uh, She actually lived in Missouri. And this would have been around Christmas of 1981. She had traveled to Arizona, where she was found murdered on Valentine's Day, 1982. Carolyn was not identified until february 26th of 2021 wow yeah she was a doe for a very long time they actually called her her doe nickname was valentine sally she's pretty yes she is very pretty she's blonde haired blue eyed she is very pretty girl parts are her in the middle though Mm -hmm. parts are her in the middle yep um currently the sheriff's office there is investigating her murder but who knows? Witnesses who last saw Valentine Sally arrive, she arrived at a truck stop along I-40, 
described a trucker wearing a cowboy hat with a peacock feather adorning the front of it, just like our guy, along with the description, like physical description, that matched long. I-40, where they're talking about, is actually the same highway that runs right in front of the fair mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma is an intersection. Yeah. I mean, of, most of our listeners uh, probably 40 know. 40 and 35. 40 right? and 35. Yeah. We, we know that he's at least been in New Mexico. He has been in um, Arizona. He's been in Wyoming. He's been in Missouri. He's been in Oklahoma. He's been in Texas. We know. And he is a long-haul truck driver. You're going to go all over the place. And the, the thing is, though, is that these disappearances of these young girls seem to be following him around. I know, and they're all right off, you know, like you like I-40. I mean, the fair sits on I-40, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just interesting to me. Um, this is a last one, and while I'm not exactly sure that this one is related to him, I did want to bring it up because he was looked at as a suspect in it. Oh, okay. So this last one, July 25th, 1985, there were two sisters, Rosalind Rochelle Abel, 18, and her younger sister, Fawn Abel, who was 15. They were last seen at their home in the vicinity of 59th and Rockwell in Bethany, Oklahoma. Okay, so Rosalind had told her parents that she was going to go job hunting that afternoon. Uh, This girl's brother, whose name was Otto, uh, came home that afternoon, overheard his sisters talking as they were heading out the door because they they were going to go together. Um, And according to the Oklahoman, Otto says he remembers the girls saying, quote, hurry up. They're waiting for us down the street as they walked out the door. That was the last time he ever heard his sister's voice. Like, they vanished that afternoon. And their disappearance has literally mystified their family and police for nearly four decades now. When you look further into this case a little bit, it doesn't really seem like his sort of thing. Um, But they, they did entertain the idea that it was him. Um, In 2010, Lieutenant Warfield investigated and found only one police report was on file for this case. Fawn was listed as a missing child, but her older sister, Rosalind, did not have a police report at all. It took almost 25 years to discover that Fawn's case was treated as a runaway and was never looked into again. And Rosalind, because of her age and being an adult, was never listed at all. Just never listed. So this Lieutenant Warfield found that Rosalind had never even been entered into NCIC, which is the National Crime Information Center. And Fawn had actually been entered, but removed in error. (laughs) Yes. So that's great. Um, after further discussing the case with the brother, Otto, Lieutenant Warfield, um, entered both of them into NCIC, finally, and also entered them into NCMEC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, because they were technically children at the time. So, the theory that Rosalind and Fawn were abducted by Long was debunked in 2017 by whereabouts still unknown. So it was uncovered that Long was actually incarcerated 
in Wyoming, and they, you know, because they were actively looking at him as a suspect. They actually found that he was incarcerated at the time that these two girls went missing. Um, He was serving time for that kidnapping of Sharon Bald Eagle and her friend. Also, Long had been extradited to Oklahoma City on or around August of 1985 to stand the trial, uh, to stand trial for the murders of Cinda and Charlotte. It is still something that I wanted to bring up, though, because they are still missing. Their bodies have never been found. And so, you know, that's just something to think about. If you have any information, please. So, in April 1985, a report came in which said that Cinda and Charlotte had been spotted in Miami, of course, um, several times, actually, over the course of two months. And they were said to be using fake names, uh, some similar to their real names. And the girls, however, the girls were not located. Despite a task force being put together and the area combed for them. Uh, The case was featured on America's Most Wanted. After the broadcast, a woman called their hotline claiming to be Cinda. However, she turned out to be an 18-year-old from Virginia who just had a history of mental illness. Investigators believe Cinda and Charlotte's bodies are somewhere in Oklahoma, but will likely never be found. Charlotte's DNA is available for comparison, so if we ever find a body somewhere um, that could be hers, we do have her DNA on file for that comparison. While Cinda's dental records and DNA are on file, uh, should their remains be located. Long actually suffered a heart attack while imprisoned at the Wyoming State Pen in November of 93. So if we did find them at this point, if oh, there was died. evidence, like, he's dead. Oh, he suffered yeah, a massive he's, heart attack. He's dead now. He died in 93. Um, Charlotte Kinsey was last seen at the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, on September 26, 1981. She was 13 years old. She was last seen wearing a dark maroon short-sleeved pullover blouse with white stripes on the sleeves and white trim on the sleeves and neck. She was wearing blue jeans, Nike tennis shoes, a wedding band type ring on her right uh, ring finger. And at the time of her disappearance, she would have been about five foot five one, weighing about a hundred pounds. She had shoulder length, strawberry blonde hair and blue gray eyes. She has a triangular shaped birthmark on her lower back near her waistline and a small dot shaped scar below her left eye. She has silver caps, or at least did at this time, on her lower front teeth, and her ears were pierced. Uh, She was suffering from depression at the time of her disappearance. Just two weeks before, she had actually tried to take her own life by overdosing on her mother's tranquilizers. Yeah, Um, which is, is very sad. But no one thinks that her disappearance has anything to do with that. No. Um, Cinda, on the other hand, Cinda Leanne Pallet, um, was last seen at the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds. She was 13. She was last seen wearing a white t-shirt with dark blue sleeves, a ZZ Top logo on the front of the shirt, and the number 81 on the back of the shirt. Size 12, slim blue jeans, 
a rope belt made of braided orange and rust-colored nylon with a leather buckle. Her name tooled into it. Uh, she also was wearing two-tone blue Nike sneakers with black waffle soles. At the time of her disappearance, she stood about five foot and she weighed about 88 pounds. She had shoulder-length brown hair and blue eyes. She has a small scar below the corner of her left eyebrow and wears a dental retainer, or did at the time, behind her lower front teeth. So currently the cases are classified as non-familial abductions, meaning they think a stranger did it. Uh, And some agencies state that their disappearances occurred on September 25th. So if you see that, it was actually the 26th. So if live today, these girls would be women in around their 50s. Uh, Those with information regarding these cases are asked to contact the Oklahoma State Police or the Oklahoma City Police Department. Tips can be called in into the OSBI and the FBI's uh, Oklahoma City office. Unpacking all of these cases, we see a lot of places that we need to be leery. uh, That we need to be leery of. Weary. Tired. First and foremost. Um... Well, obviously, state fairs. Yes. Um, obviously, rodeos. I, it's so weird that I said that at the beginning, and I did totally forget about the rodeo parts in this. I just put in my brain, I was like, you should say rodeos, because it's Oklahoma. It's I don't know. That's stuck weird. In stuck in there. Um, so, this is, those all are not the only instances we're about to tell you about another state fair case right here in Oklahoma. So, this one involves two sisters. So, Cheryl Ginzer, who was 25, and her little sister, Lisa Pennington, who was 16. They were last seen leaving the Oklahoma State Fair on September 23, 1987. Their brother left them at the fair, and he was going to take a friend home. But the pair did not show back up at the prearranged meetup location later on that night. Like, her brother was supposed to... The brothers supposed to come pick them back up. They never showed. Much like the other case, all of the same protocols were followed. Um, you know, they they had investigations. They searched for them. It was one of those, and this is this is the standout thing to me. It was one of those because Cheryl was twenty five, and it was actually one of those weird things that she wasn't just chalked up to a runaway. Like, they actually legitimately thought that these two were abducted that night together. Yes. And so, they did try to investigate it. Nothing really came from it um, for about a month. And then their remains were found. Uh, With the other case, remember, remains never found. This one, we have the remains being found about a month later. They were discovered in the northwestern part of Oklahoma City, where the turnpike is now, which would be around 132nd and Santa Fe. It's a little southwest of there. So 132nd and Santa Fe, and then you look south, like right, directly south is where the turnpike is now. It was in that general area to the southwest. They were buried in a shallow grave near a small pond. They had been shot in the head with a 357. Now, 
I don't know if they were both shot with this. I'm just going to say this real quick because on these two, we, because we had bodies, we actually did get the autopsy reports. And something that I thought was strange, now the autopsy report does not mention what type or caliber or whatever the bullets were or any of the casings that they found. But what it kind of looked like to us was that two different weapons were used. Yes. Because it it seemed like one of the girls who was shot twice, actually, Cheryl was actually shot twice. And that looked to us to be like a smaller caliber because it, it splintered. Uh, a bullet was not found inside of her. It splintered and did leave metal shards in her head. Um, the other girl, Lisa, was only shot once, and the bullet was still inside of her, which was the three fifty seven BT dubs. I don't know, because they didn't recover an actual bullet for the other, the one who was shot twice for um, Cheryl, so I don't know if the three fifty seven was actually used there. I think they just assumed that. But to me, it looked like because the three fifty seven was intact in Lisa and a bullet was splintered in Cheryl, it just, it's odd that they would be the same caliber. But anyway, um, so police collected everything. They collected everything that they could find on them. They were still wearing earrings and jewelry, and um, they collected stuff from their fingernails. They collected their clothing, uh, hair, whatever that could be tested later on down the line. Um, however, to this day, no one has been held accountable for their murders. Nobody. The case has actually garnered national attention. It was featured on America's Most Wanted in 2001, like way back in their early days. There was a witness. Some of the, some of this stuff gets wild, so just bear with me. Okay. So there was a witness that said he saw this dude hit Cheryl with a handgun and then club her sister with a shovel outside of Henley's home. Several hours after the sisters left the state fairgrounds. Doug was his name. So apparently they left with some guys. According to this guy, they left with some guys and then he witnessed this taking place. And so the witness said that he and this guy met the sisters at the fairgrounds They went with them to a house where they smoked marijuana, where they drank beer, and they apparently snorted cocaine. He said that he had raped the younger sister, and then the other two went to get more beer. Like, her older sister and this other guy went to get more beer. Um, When the older sister found out what had happened while she was gone, she apparently confronted the guy who did it. He attacked her knocked her out with a blow from the revolver and then hit the young girl, the younger girl, the 16-year-old girl, with a shovel. Um, that guy was arrested and was charged with two counts of murder. However, <laughs> however, on the eve of the trial, as dramatic as possible, the witness recanted and was actually sent to prison for five years on a perjury charge. Well, and I think what, I, what I've read and looked at is that the reason that he said what he did is because he was going to get off on certain other charges he, he was had. Yes, he had some charges against him that and he thought... Were related to the girls. Mm-hmm. That guy later moved 
to New Mexico. He was like, I'm out of here. I can't, I'm not doing Oklahoma no more. Um, so then there was a confession um, that was collected by bounty hunters in 2012 from the daughter of a man police once interviewed in connection with the murders. In the video of her statement, the woman said that her dad told her that he had killed these girls and helped and she helped cover up the crime. That confession ended up just being a dead end. I don't know why they didn't give her perjury, but whatever. <laughs> like it was just nonsensical. I don't know if it was just it was found to just be completely made up. There was also something in 2000 um, when the sheriff's department says the body of Molly Cahey, who was 35, was discovered buried in a shallow grave by Picos River, 15 miles outside of Roswell, New Mexico. Um, she had been shot to death, and Molly's sister had filed a missing persons report in January of 2000. However, Molly was last seen in November of 99. Deputies say that Molly was a connection of this Henley guy who got the perjury charge. Um, so there's a possibility that he was connected. This is why they were looking at him anyway. This Molly was this guy's live-in girlfriend at the time. So it's just kind of weird that this guy's live-in girlfriend would later go missing yeah. and then be connected to two you know, murdered girls in Oklahoma. He was implicated in the death of a second of, a, of another girlfriend of his. Yes. Um, where they thought that he might have something to do. She died in a house fire. Yes. And they thought he might have something to do with that, but nothing came of that either. I know this. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, how many people do you know? Like me personally, just a regular normal person. How many people around me has just been around? three murderers like that i know that it's it's not a coincidence you know what i mean like there's something going on there when they did the america's most wanted um they brought in this retired detective named ron to take a look at these cases and he did an interview with this henley guy and of course henley denied having anything to do with any of the murders any of them like he was like got nothing to do with any of that it's just happenstance <laughs> that I mean, why would four you, people died around me. Why would you, you know, say you did it if you've gotten off with all these uh, things? Well, yeah, um, I mean, no kidding. Like, they obviously don't have enough to charge you f for anything yeah. more than perjury. So, what? I mean, it's just ridiculous. The perjury charge was his friend, Doug, that was there with him. Yeah, Lane was the one oh. that did all of it. Oh, okay, okay. Doug was the one that... Right. Testified to get right. out of his And chargers. he's the one that got the perjury, perjury charge. That's right. why I said I think his name was Doug. Early. Oh, okay. So, well, then that makes more sense because that's why they charged him with five years. Mm -hmm. Because that was probably literally all they had yes. on him. And, and so this guy's going around killing a bunch of women. There's this girl's brother who believes that Lane was more involved. Um, Which is Lane Henley. Lane Henley. Henley. Uh, he was involved in a girl's death along with another man who has apparently confessed and bragged to many people over the years, but pff, nothing came of that. So there's like like five, five or six different deaths that he, they are looking at this Lane Henley guy for. But there's nothing. But there's 
they've never come up with anything, no. And he actually died in 2015. So, I don't know what he died of, or where he died. Well, and I even read that someone said that they don't, there's been no confirmation of his death. What? That's what I read, that there was no confirmation of his death. Now, I don't know if that's true, but... That's creepy. I don't know. You think he faked his death to get I don't know. get away? I mean, you, I guess mm, but weird. He, he could be. I mean, that could just you know. There's Who all knows? kinds of they're talking and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> That's pretty strange. Well, and um, Cheryl and Lisa's parents are also both dead now. I think her mom just their mom just died like in 2021. I mean. They fought for a long time. This is yes. What did I say? Eighty-seven. They were fierce advocates, mm-hmm. but they never found out anything. So, um, so that is still an unsolved, unsolved, unsolved mystery in Oklahoma. So we have two fairground killings in Oklahoma that are totally and utterly unsolved, along with all the ones that we've talked about here today. Oh, yes. Everything I've mentioned today, save for what. No, I I think every single one of them we talked about, except for the one that he d- uh, did the time for kidnapping. Oh, yes. Other than that, they're all unsolved. And all of these girls went missing at fairgrounds, at rodeos, at these public places where you would think, well, if, if some strange person sees someone try to snatch a kid, they're going to do something. Here's the thing. <laughs> People don't always do the right thing. Well, and this is the other thing. They don't like to get involved. No, but this is, you know, just because a crowd, you think a crowd gives you some kind of um, safe place, it can. But it can also be a place where people mold into the surroundings. And there's so many people that it's easy to get away in a crowd. Well, yeah. You can just kind of fade off into the crowd. Yeah. And and those were not, like, these are not isolated incidences. We've talked about a lot of them. I've got two more right here if you just want to know specifically about fairgrounds. Uh, 1978, both of them, 1978, Tina Anderson, who was 12, and her 14-year-old friend Patricia Campbell were last seen at a Pioneer Day celebration. Um, which is odd because my mother-in-law is in there talking about putting together a Pioneer Day oh, right now. Wow. She's in charge of Pioneer Day. So it's just like these little local events. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Um, they spent the day celebrating it at this this park, this Alameda Park. And they just never showed up. Later, three years later, their bodies were found um, in Idaho. And then uh, also in 1978 in Nevada, uh a girl named Sandra Butler was last seen in Sparks. Um, she was walking to a shopping center. She was just walking to a shopping center across the street from her family's apartment. And she was never seen, heard from again, ever. Um, the day that she disappeared, she had just gotten permission to ride her bike. She was about to ride it to the Reno fa- uh, Rodeo mm. at the fairgrounds. That's where she was heading. And vanished gone never seen again so i wanted to talk to you before we wrap up here um i've got some highlights here that i want to kind of we might have already touched on some of them but i want to kind of highlight a little bit more of just some fairground safety so nowadays i don't think this was the case back then but nowadays you can actually register your child at an event information booth, okay? 
Um, they provide wristbands for your kid that has contact information on it. So if they get lost or whatever, they've got this wristband on that an adult can look at and contact you. Also in recent years, at least the Oklahoma State Fair, and I do think the Tulsa State Fair does this as well, they set up a safety center now where um, they have police there, they have first aid, they have lost and found. So it's usually located in the center of the fair so that's easy to get to. So anything happens, you go straight to that safety center and ask for assistance. Now, and I remember... So from now to when I was younger, they have it a lot more closed off now where you can only go in certain entrances and out certain That is exits. true. Tulsa is like that as well. And back when I was young, though, yeah. you just, everyone, I mean, yeah. you paid, but you played and walked in, but there yeah. were so many exits. I don't even know. I mean. Yeah, I know Tulsa puts up a lot of barricades. Maybe like I imagine that, but I just remember there being a lot more I mean, entrances and exits when I was young. That's, I mean, not to say that someone can't jump over those because they're just, you know, they're, they're like waste level barricades for the most part. Yeah. Like you could jump over those, but there are usually like fairground workers and there stuff are, who will tell yes. you don't touch those. They are not afraid to, to tell you. Yes. They, yeah. they're very verbal about themselves and they, they will not, they're not afraid. And that's good though. We need that. That's good. And so some, some statistics, it might deter, um, it might make you feel a bit safer, but specifically in Oklahoma City in 2022, throughout the fairgrounds there, there were around 325 cameras in Tulsa and OKC together, they have about 800 cameras. So they have cameras set up all over the place. They have a bunch of different camera views and stuff. Now, I'm not saying that you should rely on those things um, because that's always, it's almost always an after the fact like they have there someone might be sitting in there watching but they have a bunch of cameras to keep eyes on but this but they are so, putting things in place to try they are to. trying to at least if something happens yes you can go to the cameras and say let's see if we can find x thing where where it happened if anybody's on this camera you might be able to you know id somebody or whatever but that's not going to prevent it from happening is what i'm trying to say in closing, we just want everyone who goes out at any at any given time to be aware. Be aware yes. of yourselves. Be aware of what's around you. Um, if you're going to the fair, go to the fair. Have fun. Put your phones away. Because if, you're, if your face is shoved in your phone, you're not going to be watching what's going on around you. There's a lot of talk about, well, if, if I'm on my phone, if, if I have someone called, then... At least someone can hear. Yes. So if you have someone on your phone or you want to call someone, if you have to walk somewhere, put them on your phone. Put them on speaker, then put your phone in your pocket. I want to suggest, instead of doing that, set up a Noonline account. Only because Noonlight is free. You don't have to pay to use it. Uh, It will track you. It will track your phone. It has a little button. I know we've pushed Noonlight forever and ever, but it's because it's a great, it's, it's a great app. Um, It's got this big giant button. That's the only thing that's on the app, a big giant button. You go in, you create your account, you tell it, yes, track my location when I've got it open. You put your thumb on the button while you're walking. If you feel unsafe, you put your thumb on the button. If at any point your thumb releases from that button, you have 30 seconds to input your code. 
If you don't input your code, they immediately call law enforcement and they are dispatched to your location. Immediately. Which is fabulous. Because yeah. it, it's, you know, when you think about back when these, you know, murders happened, they didn't, there mm-hmm. wasn't this kind of technology. Yeah. I know. And like I said, so social media can, it's, it's, it's you always say this, it's a double-edged sword. I know that's my word I say for social media. It's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword because if you're posting social media all day long, you know, you have those geotags and people can see where you are in real time or where you, where you just left or yes, just random people that could be following you and you don't really want people to know where you're at, especially if you're out you know, alone or if you're out without parents or an adult or something like that. Um, but I, it, it can also be good because you have things like Noonlight that can get you help immediately. Yes. Um, also now here's the thing. Here's the weird thing about fairgrounds. So they don't want you to take weapons in there. Right. And they also say that pepper spray is a weapon. So what I suggest, get your, get your Noonlight app get you they also have these little um alarms now panic button panic panic button alarms and so you can some of them have these things where you put it on kind of like a bracelet Mm -hmm. and if that gets um disconnected from the button then it will alarm um there's other ones where you can push the button and it will make an alarm and i mean some of these are stinking loud like loud loud uh also make freaking noise well make all the noise yes the more noise you make the more attention you're going to bring to yourself Mm -hmm. and that is the best thing you can do um yell scream kick do whatever you can if you have to use the buddy system if you only got one friend and that one friend's the only one that's going to go with you if you have to use the buddy system make sure you're watching out for each other the entire time don't be stuck in your phone. Make sure you're both watching, you know, both of your backs. Don't ever leave each other alone. And don't, I mean, not even for a split second, don't no. leave each other alone. If you, if they're not Go to your, the bathroom together. If they're not your ride that's yeah. supposed to be there to pick you up or your parent, do not leave with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, even when you're standing in line and your friend says, I'm going to go over here and get in this line for a fried just whatever. Just don't do it at the fair. Just don't leave each other. There's too many people. Stand in line together. Wait together. Don't ever leave each other's side. If you have to use the buddy system, if you only, there's only two of you, that's all you've got. So make sure you're watching each other's backs. You can also report anything. Now, this is another thing is people seem to think that you need to go find assistance. Call 911 right then. If you go find the, um, the safety center, you can make reports there. So uh, they will relate relay or call the police if they need to the police are usually stationed there now they are they are um, there. yeah they usually have at least one officer in the safety center where they can take reports um you can tell them about incidents or and, and even if it comes down to you think this guy's really creepy and he's been looking at you funny and he keeps popping up all over the place like he just seems to just pop up wherever you go Go down to the safety center. Sit there with the police for a minute and say, I just don't feel safe right this second, so I'm just going to sit here and be with you guys for a minute. Okay, guys. That's it. That's all there is. 
please, please be safe. If you're listening to this episode in any other point of time, if there's a big event coming up, please, please be weary. There are people attending more cons like Comic Cons and Crime Cons, stuff like that. Just please use all of these things we've talked about today. Try to stay as safe as possible. And that's it. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?